So are you going to start now, Meg? I shouldn't say anything. Yes, correct. Correct. Tonight on Rogue Padron. Corn's unhappy surprise. Love connection. Colonel Roat returns. Out of the frying pan. And dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> it's specifically because Taiko says make it rain. Oh my god. I was so oh happy when god. I read that. Anyway. This is Rogue Leader. All wings report in. Rogue 6, standing by. Rogue 7, standing by. Rogue 3, standing by. Hello, listener. Oh, come on, guys. <laughs> Anticipate my whim. Come on, guys. <laughs> We're not even a minute into this. <laughs> useless. Oh, we are pretty useless. <laughs> Hello, and welcome to the latest episode of Rogue Padron. I hope you're in... Uh, I don't care. I hope you're in... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you're ready to discuss the penultimate show before the end of Wedge's Gamble. I'm just making this up as we go along. So why don't I remind you of your host? Those were good sentences, Meg. <laughs> Thank you. We have Danny, Rogue Six, who if he was a breakfast food, he would be an omelet because it can either be hella fancy or made in three minutes with whatever's left in the fridge. You betcha. <laughs> Good. And we have Seth, Rogue Seven, who would be a muffin because they're secretly just breakfast cupcakes. Oh, I love it. We have Heath, Rogue Three, who would obviously be a bagel because he's just a kid from Brooklyn, and the cream cheese would obviously be Nerf. <laughs> <laughs> uh. So good. So good. Uh. And I'm Meg, Rogue Leader, and I would be yogurt because Terry Jeffords loves yogurt. That's perfect. <laughs> That's the best reason. That is, that is a reason. That sure is. Speaking of reasons, Danny, why don't you ask us a Rogue One question? What kind of droids do you want to see in Rogue One? All of them. Really? Cool ones. Now I into mean... chapter 38. <laughs> <laughs> Done. Um, I mean... I can't. There's no specific M-Tray. I would like to see M-Tray in Rogue One. God help us all. What if he winks? No. He will wink. No. He'll break the fourth wall. He'll just look at the camera and just wink. No. That'll be so great. I will. No. I will walk after out after his lounging on the piano, singing lounge music. It's during. It's during. Okay. <laughs> there's like <laughs> a zoom close up. And there's like the really fake like twinkle in his He's eye. He's like holding a long note or something. <laughs> So good. I'd like to see an early BB unit of some kind. Oh. Ooh, yeah. Oh, good idea. It's all connected. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I have a hard time believing that the TFA era is the first time a droid like that would have existed. What would a pre-BB-8 droid look like? 
Just a ball. <laughs> just without yeah, the head. Just a I mean, ball. Yeah, it doesn't have the head part. They couldn't figure out how to make it work. <laughs> kind of sl- slower moving, fewer features. Like I don't know. Right, like it doesn't have all of like the pulley things right. that shoots just out like of it, or slightly more primitive BB-8. It does not have the ability to give a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And like with a lower like tone register. Yeah, and he like wouldn't be as colorful. He'd be like all like steel or something. I want a droid that's like it looks gender neutral and they refer to it gender neutrally. That would be mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yep. What is like a lady or... droid that isn't sexualized too? Was Peasy sexual? Or just Peasy. No, Peasy's not, but you also don't hear her voice, so a lot of people think it's she's a true. dude. Yeah. But I would like if it was just Peasy, like a younger Peasy, <laughs> that would be awesome. Oh yeah. <laughs> just what a is, like Peasy's version of Peasy. <laughs> Baby Peasy. We don't know how long Peasy's been around. Oh, I don't know how droids grow. Right? Peasy could be like an old rebellion droid that Leia had some strong attachment to of some kind. Yeah. That would be awesome. I want that. Or what if Peasy was like originally black and worked for the Empire, and then it was she turned against them, and then she was rescued by rogue the, by the rogues who infiltrate and like get the plans, and that's why they paint her blue. Oh, it's like oh an God. undercover op thing. Yeah. I'm into it. I like that. Yeah. Rogue One, a peasy story. <laughs> <laughs> That's my dream, my literal dream. Oh, that was my. I was gonna. That was the question I was gonna ask. Or, oh well, I'll do it next week. I forgot. We got a bunch of news about books and comics. So, side note: oh, yeah. we've got some books and comics news on Rogue One. Tune in next week for that. <laughs> Danny, <laughs> it's fine. fine. We're a professional podcast. We're very it's the professional. Hook. The hook for next week. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you think we'll see C-3PO and R2-D2 since they seem to be in the entire galaxy always, all the time, at once? Yeah. I hope not. I hope not for the same reason that, like, I hope if Vader's in it, it's a very small role. Like, at some point, they need to create either a film or a TV show or a comic with new characters and let those characters stand on themselves. Like, it was weird <laughs> to me in Rebels Season 1 that literally the second episode, oh, here's R2 and 3PO, ha ha ha. Like, I just let the characters be all new characters we've never met, let them have droids we've never met, and maybe R2 and 3PO, like, walk by in the background or something, fine. But I don't want them to, like, be in it. Right, or they're, like, in the grand finale. Yeah. Stop leaning on the original characters. Yep. Heath, I know what you said, or I know what you meant, but you said I'd like the characters to stand on themselves, and that made me um. smile. <laughs> <laughs> that too, that would be fun to see. Okay, well, let's talk about rogues then. Let's do it. Let's do it. So for chapter thirty-eight, we have the rogues basically licking their wounds after getting totally ambushed at the power core plant or whatever it was. So the rogues head back to the hideout that Tycho had prepared, which was, which is in a building, but it's disguised as an underground cave on the inside. And Gavin, of course, is the only one who's not upset by the odd microclimate on the inside. And he remarks that on Tatooine, I never even saw rain, much less got rained on. Aww. He's how does he keep getting cuter? Every single chapter he just gets cuter and cuter. 
So precious. And Corin unfortunately shows up and he is so mad to see Tycho alive. He's not as mad because Wedge lied to him. He's really just mad because he thinks that this confirms his sighting of Tycho talking to Lore. Therefore, Tycho is obviously the spy. And although Wedge... Flawless logic there. I know, right? Good job. For the use with Corrin. Yeah. Yeah. Always thinking it through very well. Just like Lore. Totally rational. (laughs) Such a a rational person. It made for each other. Yeah. And although Wedge argues that Patches might not have been telling the truth when he told Corrin there was a spy in their myth, he, you know, he argues that Ol has been gone and she could have been interrogated by Lore and that Patches might have just said that just to piss him off, which is highly likely. But, of course, Corrin isn't buying it. And once, once again, Wedge goes to bat for Tycho, talking about how he knows all of Tycho's history and sat through all of his trials. And he would believe anybody else to be the spy above Tycho. And... While Corrin doesn't really have anything to say anything to say about that, he lets it be for now, since this is the only safe place that the Imperials didn't hit, and they have a job to do. Okay, so, I mean, I get, like, Tycho himself, he is a person, he's a good person, he would not be a spy, but they do have that brainwashing issue that could still be a thing, and that's not really his choice if that is actually happening, like, if he has been brainwashed because of Lusankia, or however you say it. Like, Nobody's entirely considering that except for the guy who hated him a lot back at the rogue place. I forgot his name. General Psalm. Yeah, him. Like he's the only one that really like thought it through properly. And I mean I don't think personally that he is the spy, but just because someone is a good person, they could still have something influencing them without realizing. Like in his case he could. Yeah, and it gets tricky too, because um although that's always a thing that looms you know, Ty- uh, Wedge points out that how the way that everybody else who was proven to be a Lusankia sleeper agent, basically, they didn't operate for such a long time. It was kind of more like a suicide bomber in where, you know, they kind of get switched on to do this task. There's a trigger and they do it and then they end up dying. So it's kind yeah. of different if... Tycho is a spy, or if anyone is a spy under the influence of some brainwashing, for it to last so long, and for them to be cognizant of what they're doing for, like, this long of a period of time. But, again, we don't actually know how that works, so it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, and I think Tycho also has the difference that he knows who was there. Like, he has yeah. you know, he has all the knowledge that people normally have. Like, they had nothing, and then they would just get clipped on, and suddenly, like, they would just go crazy, kind of thing. Whereas he... Right has knowledge and that's why they all know it's like it it is well placed for him to be a spy without realizing but i don't i don't think he's a spy but he is very well placed for that mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah i agree with that and i mean i like Tycho as much as the next guy and i certainly don't want to um endorse corin's level of paranoia but the fact that wedge is just so strongly out to bat for him given all this stuff that you said makes me think that there's more history that we still have to learn between Tycho and wedge at least i'd like to believe that because um, otherwise, Wedge is just kind of throwing the entire rest of the squadron under the bus for this guy, which um, is a really big statement if they don't have more history that we don't know about at this point. Yeah, it would be very unwedge-like to sort of just like go out on a limb and assume that everything's okay, given everything they know about 
where Tycho's been and everything. So I think you're right that there might be something else there. Let's hope we see it. Yes. Yes. More I'm loving Tycho. the word later, just like, I can't say anything. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> so Wedge gathers everyone up to make a plan to take the shields down. Sheel is asleep and fitfully dreaming, probably like an adorable puppy. Oh, no. Yeah. It's fine. Everything's fine. They continue on the meeting anyway because Shill should probably just rest. And no one wants to go wake them, him up. Ugh. So the central computer isn't as guarded as before thanks to the memory core place that was destroyed the prior night. And the subsidiary computer terminals are easier to hit. Gavin comes up with the idea of creating storms to take all of the subsidiary computer terminals out at once. If they introduce moisture into the atmosphere, then storms will form basically immediately and the lightning will hit the power grid and it would help the rogues get all the computers offline. I was so happy that Gavin came up with this idea. He, I feel like he's grown so much in this Mm -hmm. book and I love it so much. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, if we hadn't gotten all those chapters with his like background and, and fleshed out this character so much more, I'd be really annoyed by this because it'd kind of almost be one more example of these characters just being a stereotype. Like, oh, look, the guy from Tatooine's going to know this stuff about moisture farming. But because he's like this complex character, it was like really exciting to have this moment and see him uh, take Gavin leadership that way. Gavin's is having a much more exciting like character arc than Corrin is. <laughs> Corrin, like, yes. Kind of the main character. Like, it's, it's largely an ensemble series, but Corrin is, you know, the main character. But right. I wish Gavin was because he's way more of an interesting main character for the series. Well, and because so he far, actually he might character die. I don't development. Know. Yeah, Corrin's right. moving. Corrin's arguably moving backwards at this point. Right. <laughs> <laughs> frustrating. Right. Like, Corrin hasn't changed a lot from book one, from the beginning of book one to now the end of book two. You know, he's still super distressful of Tycho. He's still, you know, is quick to anger and all these other things and can't make up his mind and is wishy-washy. And, you know, the one thing that he grew about was not to instantly dislike people from Kessel. And that was pretty much it. He hasn't really applied that knowledge to any other faction of his life. So, good job, Corin. Yeah, and I feel like... I feel like if this has if this had happened at the beginning of the book, Gavin wouldn't have even thought of this. Like yeah. he he's become so much more confident throughout this book that he was presented with a problem and like thought he could come up with a solution, so he did. Whereas at mm-hmm. the beginning of the book he was still like super shy and he probably just wouldn't have even thought of it. Plus yeah. Lady, Lady Bothan is in the room, so maybe he's motivated a little bit. Oh yeah. his, uh, all, let's all, get all. it on. So good. <laughs> Any episode of Rogue Pattern where Heath sings is a good episode of Rogue Pattern. <laughs> it's true. So true. So the plan is to take over one of the orbital mirrors and point it at a water reservoir so they could instantly evaporate enough water into the atmosphere to create the storms that they need. Thankfully, they don't actually have to go into the atmosphere, like outside of the atmosphere, to get to the orbital mirror. They're controlled on the ground. So one team will go and take over a nearby construction droid and force it toward the ground control station. That will have it evacuated from all the imps and an infiltration team can hopefully take it pretty easily. 
The second team is the one that's going to go in there and slice into controls and rearrange the mirror. The rest of the rogues will be flying cover and six Z-95 headhunters that Tycho somehow acquired. You know. Yeah. It's probably one of him and M-Tray's adventures. Right. M-Tray just Aren't scrounged really up old? six headhunters. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that really blended really together. Old? Danny, that really blended together when you said six headhunters and it sounded like sex headhunters. <laughs> Are you allowed to say that, that here? That no. might have been one of their other adventures. Ryan, who knows what M. Trey and Tycho were up to. In fact, okay. I'm pretty sure half of our listener feedback this week is um, in that yeah. vein. So. <laughs> I feel like our listeners are totally shipping Tycho and M. Trey. <laughs> How do you feel about that, Heath? All... Not good at all. <laughs> oh. oh. <clears throat> do you think M. Trey so, is uh, texting Tycho eggplant emojis? Yeah. He better not be. And winky faces. Oh no! <laughs> I'm sorry. That's actually the only emoji M Trey has is the winking face. It's like M Trey White. M Trey's just like the base has been found. There's Imperials everywhere. Winky face. And they're like, why did you put a winky face, M Trey? It was meant to be a sad face, but he didn't know how to do it. All I know is the winky face. <laughs> he needs a new emoji protocol. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Back to chapter 38. Someone write a fanfic every about time, that. <laughs> every time M-Tray is brought up, we do something. No, wait. Real quick, though. I, yeah. I'm really excited about, like, the giant construction droid thing. Like, it's a droid. It's a whole droid, but it's, like, massive. It's so massive. cool. Yeah, Corrin it's refers to it as, like, Death Star Junior. I love it. But, the, like, the Death Star's not a droid. Like, it's a big station. This thing is just a giant, like, some, probably somewhat sentient, I guess, if it's a droid. Who knows? It's Star Wars. We don't know. What <laughs> if the Death Star was I don't know. sentient? Then I would feel even worse about it. I'm just getting sad about the Death Star being a giant <laughs> okay. droid. Death Star's not sentient. Everything's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so a seer who is a graduate of the Bothan Marshall Academy okay, volunteers... Okay, <laughs> just appreciate that that exists for a moment. Of course it exists. <sighs> what do they even learn? Oh, Bothans are hecka into war. <laughs> <laughs> they learn how to be useless. I don't. I don't know where I was going with that one. Oh, putting putting other people in danger. One oh one. I thought it said Bothan Martial <laughs> Arts Academy. No, I mean, I was probably a good. bunch of Bothans <laughs> doing <Taekwondo>. <laughs> <laughs> I wish that's what it was. <laughs> we'll make T-shirts. Bothan Martial Arts Academy graduate. It's pretty good. So she was actually in the same, she was in a year younger than Peshk, who, the former Rogue 2, and was as good a flyer as him when they were in Academy together. So she volunteers and ends up as Noara's wingmate. Wedge questions why a member of the Bothan military would possibly be on Coruscant, but a seer defers. <laughs> She's a spy. Bothan spy. That's what they do. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. I'm calling it. She's going to become a rogue. It's going to happen. I don't know if so Noara... citing Pesh is the best <laughs> way to. Uh, no, not really. Cite but... your credentials. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, though, we barely Pesh learned never his name before he died. Yeah. He didn't really have a chance to show off if he was a good flyer or not. Which I. Okay, anyway. Yeah. 
so Noir, we actually find out that Noir is also not feeling so hot. It's fine. <laughs> and Wedge, though, feels confident because now the Imperials have to play the rogues game. So. Boom, boom, boom. And Thanks, also, Wedge. Wedge has no use for the odds. Cause nope, because he's Carillion. He's from Carillia. Like they the mentioned Carillia and odds so many times in these chapters. Yeah, I I didn't really like that, actually. Okay. I wanted that yeah. to just be like a one-off Han thing, but now it's like it's, an inside joke on Corellia, I guess. <laughs> it's weird to have it being like a cultural thing, because like, it's a very Han Solo thing, because he's a smuggler, and they're like, are they yeah. saying that all of Corellia just doesn't rely on like actual knowledge that is rely on luck like is that the entire planet well look at core if you're a statistician <laughs> you're unemployed on Corellia. like in every every well time corin goes into something dangerous he's like oh i hope my luck holds out yep or his force powers or just his luck waggles eyebrows yeah. <laughs> i was trying but you can't do that when you're on a podcast <laughs> that's fair so hey, in the next do chapter... Do you want to do a dramatic reading of chapter 39? Yes, let's do it. Yeah. Corrin Horn tightened the straps on his life support controller, adjusting the boxy device as he went to get it centered on his chest. He much preferred having the controller built into his command chair as it was on his Corsac X-Wing, but the Z95 was more primitive than that, so he had to wear it. He punched a button, putting the device through a self-check, then got a tone indicating everything was in good working order. Merak smiled broadly as she came walking over and succeeded in forestalling the dread her black Imperial uniform sparked in him. We're getting ready to head out. Are you okay? Corin nodded. Yeah, we've gone over all the headhunters from Nosa Stern, and they all check out. So I gather. I recall seeing you and Arisi in close conversation. Corrin felt hot color rise in his cheeks. That was a prelude to a group discussion. We ended up adjusting the sensor packages and zeroing the blasters at 150 meters. We figured that dogfights would be close and shots of over 150 meters in the canyons here are going to be rare. Take care of yourself out there. Hey, my job is making sure to keep ties and others off you. Corrin reached out and tapped the tip of her nose with his finger. Rude. Look. It'll be crazy out there. In all likelihood, Rogue Squadron will get a few more heroes inducted into its Hall of the Dead. Mirax gave him a smirk. Corin, if this is one of those tomorrow we might die so we should be together tonight speeches, your timing is lousy since tomorrow is now and last night ended when this morning started. I know. Corin laughed at the nervousness he felt. <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Before Coruscant, I found you interesting and attractive. Since we've been here, I've gotten to know more about you, to see how you react under pressure and how effortlessly you seem to get along with others. I admire the qualities that I've seen in you, and, well, if we both come out of this, I'd like the opportunity to get to know you even better. Corin Horn, are you asking me out? Mirax's dark eyes sparkled. Or was there some pool that you lost? If there'd been a pull, I'd have bought up all the tickets. He sighed. <sighs> Mirax, we've got enough things going on around against us, like our respective backgrounds, that the chances of things working out are bad. But we're Karelians, so what's, what use have we for odds? She pressed a finger to his lips, and then leaned forward, 
hate hissing sound. <laughs> and just so you know, you're not the only one who's been impressed here, so you're on. You're taking me to the biggest and best victory celebration the New Republic throws on this rock. Mirax tapped a finger against the box on his chest. Life support gear, optional. Heyo! Hey! I'll be there. He kissed her in return, then looked up and saw Wedge heading over to the black airspeeder. M-Trey was to use to get them to the construction droid. You better get going. The force be with you. And with you. <laughs> Can I just say, I do not rate women or, like, potential mates on how they react under pressure. <laughs> I know, right? No, it's <laughs> like, weird. Like it's very strange. Okay. Oh Can I also say that I've always... When in Star Wars someone says, may the force be with you, and someone says, like, oh, and also with you, it always reminds me of that prayer, or yeah, yeah. peace be with you. Yeah. With you. Even, even more so when they don't say, may the force be with you, and they're just like, the force be with you, and also with you. It just, like, really <laughs> caught me off guard. That's all. <laughs> I mean, it is, this is all just... It is kind of a religious thing in the context yeah, of Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's, it's especially Just interesting because more so. as far as we know, Mirax and Korin have no force sensitivity, but it's interesting that they still, like, use that. Right. I think, uh, like, some rebels do. Like, doesn't Ekbar use it? Ekbar uses yeah. it. And Leia does yeah. before she knows anything about force sensitivity, too. So I guess it's... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's just... Well, because, I guess I've like... never really thought about that. That it's something that they all say, even though... I mean, they, I guess they acknowledge its existence, even if they're not necessarily tuned into it or aware of their tuned inness to it. Yeah, and I mean the the rebellion, you know, kind of holds up Jedi ideals. So it makes kind of sense that they would at least know of the force, whether or not they actually had any experience in it. Yep. Because obviously like Bail Organa would have told Leia stories about the Jedi and how they were before and how they helped save people and things like that yeah that's very very true and they, they are just, they definitely have a like, legacy <laughs> so Tycho comes along afterwards but Tycho does not get a kiss from corin no he does not corin is just mean and he lists off all the circumstantial evidence that doesn't conform confirm or deny Tycho's involvement in anything Corrin promises that he's going to find the spy after this mission, and Tycho wishes him good luck because he knows he's innocent, and he knows that Corrin wouldn't implicate him if it's not true. Tycho was so sassy here. I loved it. When Corrin was like, I'm, I'm good at that sort of thing. Very good. And then Tycho says, and you're honest, so I know I have nothing to fear. And it just, like, pissed Corrin off so much because he, like... <laughs> He failed to get under Tycho's skin at all, and Tycho was just like, YOLO, like, I'm not bothered by you, and right. that bothered Corrin even more, and I loved it so much. You're beneath me, Corrin whore. <laughs> yeah. You do you, Corrin. I'm loving, I'm loving Corrin, like, it It keeps happening, Corrin tries to get some, under someone's skin and, like, get them back, and they just, like, sass him back, and then, like, he probably thinks about it for, like, a whole week later, he's like, god damn it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Comes up with he a comeback, up- like, a month later. We're yeah, gonna he get- wakes up in the middle of the night. We're going to get an internal <laughs> monologue about this scene at the beginning of the next book, I think. Oh, probably. Just like Korn still freaking out about it. Being like, oh, that Tycho. He's so blonde and handsome, he can't be trusted. <laughs> Never trust the blondes. 
So we find out the lineup for the Headhunters. Corn will actually be flying alone with Pash flying with Asir as group one and Rasadi and Erisi as another. Sheol is also out for the count like Noara. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> so um, Corn was, was a little infuriating with Tycho, but it was nice to see him finally, you know, make a move with Mirax and show some maturity. And um, hopefully he's now committed, right? <laughs> but wait a second. Right. It's Corrin Horn. Yeah, this was a, this whole, like, asking her out thing was so weird to me, given how recently he was in bed with Arisi. He's just like, Corrin is a hot mess right now. Anyone I mean, always well, is. I'm sure he'll handle things with Arisi very maturely, right, guys? Very maturely and very level-headed, just... He will approach it with grace, I am sure. No maturity. It's okay. She'll end up being the spy, and then he won't have to feel bad about it. Hopefully. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I just predict more cat fights on the way. Oh, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting those. I want to see an actual fight. I want to see a fight. Who fight? I want to see a Reese and Merrick's fight. Yeah, But not, too. like, over Corrin. I just want to see them fight in general. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean... Mirax never liked Arisi, regardless of how she felt about Corrin, right? It's the, the social status and the privilege that pissed her off, so... Yeah, that's why that's I want to... I like Arisi to... I want Mirax to fight back against that stuff. Not... not. So, I don't want her to fight over a boy, because that's dumb. But, like, the whole class privilege thing, that that's worthy. Yeah. Totally. Arisi glanced up from where her blue headhunter with red trim sat, then walked over on an intercept course. Corrin forced a smile on his face. Is it to go, Aristi? Yes, I still wish we were flying together. I'd be happy to have you on my wing. <laughs> with Asiris joining the flight, Wedge had adjusted assignments so that Pash flew with the Boffin and Aristi joined Rosati. That left Corrin alone, but he'd been alone before in combat zones, and both he and Wedge knew anyone other than Pash Crack and would have a hard time keeping up with him anyway. With me flying solo, we can lull the imps into a false sense of security. The last thing they'll feel is regret. Erisi smiled easily at him. <laughs> are you feeling well? You're not coming down sick like Noir and Sheil, are you? Corrin shook his head. No, I'll be fine. I, uh, I just had a confrontation with Typho. The Empire owns him. I can feel it. I told him that when I get back, I'd pick up all the clues concerning the spy in our midst and prove he was involved in getting Broad Jace ambushed and jeopardizing our mission here. I can see how that might have you out of sorts. She reached out and stroked his arm. If there's anything I can do to help you, let me know. Thanks, Arisi. I appreciate it. He winked at her, then stepped back and let out a loud whistle echo through the cavern. Let's go, rogues. It's time to get moving. Our people will be in position inside 15 minutes, which means our prey will show up shortly thereafter. Shoot straight and fly fast. Cornhorn, what are you doing? <laughs> Why is he mess. winking? He's such a mess. <laughs> He's like, oh, maybe hey, girl. Like, maybe he's like, it's just friendly flirting. She knows it's just friendly, but she she doesn't know that. She, she doesn't, doesn't know. Also, Remember how she just tried to sleep with you? Can we can we comment <laughs> on how great it is when rogues flirt with each other? I'd be happy to have you on my wing. So bad. <laughs> if there's anything I can do to help you, let me know. I don't. I I mean, I, I enjoy watching them all flirt, but also this is going a bad place. Like, this is not going to end well. Not going to end well. None of this is going to end. Also, 
for anybody. Corin, you shouldn't be like trying to turn other squad members against each other. Seriously. Like it's fine if he keeps these things to himself, but like outwardly telling someone else in the squadron the Empire owns him, like it's really awful. I mean, when does Corin ever keep his mouth shut about anything? Like he tells everyone everything. It's true. He's no filter. So unfortunately in the next chapter, we go back we start with Agent Lore. And we find that the rebel interdictor, Corsica Rainbow, trips Lore's sensors. And Lore is chill about it because he needs the new rebellion, the new republic, to come and take over Coruscant. That's his whole reason for existing now, which was so over the top and a little creepy. And he realizes Lord that he does, he's not quite, yeah, oh, good lore, kind of creepy. <laughs> he doesn't actually know what's going to, on planet side as far as what the rogues are planning, but like, he's, like how he feels about the Corsica Rainbow, it doesn't really matter to him anymore. And he's stopped receiving all the spies' communications as they were reclassified as Iceheart's eyes only. But still, he's like, IDAGF, doesn't matter to him. He just like shrugs it off. Yeah, which is weird because he always cares about everything. He so. cares so much about everything. This is this is a turning point for Lore. Even Lore is having character development. Come on, Corin. <laughs> Come on, Corin. <laughs> Catch up. Now we skip over to the construction droid team, which is Wedge, Mirax, Iella, and Mtray, as they make their first move, posing as Colonel Rowett and his aides. They perform a surprise inspection, insinuating that there's been a smuggling ring operating. That actually only lasts for a minute, and then they just start punching and threatening people, and everything goes fine. As they change course for the construction droid, Wedge goads Control by revealing who he is in order to act as a target and give the ground team a chance to infiltrate. We now go up in space to the Corsica Rainbow, where Captain... Ilor has 21 minutes before she needs to either pull the fleet out of hyperspace or let them go. Akbar told her that even a partial shield failure on Coruscant would be enough to let the rebels through. So she has to determine whether or not it's safe enough for them to go. And the fact that they let this defector make a very important decision shows how different the New Republic is from the Empire. I love that little bit there. Like, it, it shows... Because she's like, this is why I changed sides, because they're treating me with respect. Which goes to show why the Empire kind of fell apart in the end, is because they didn't treat enough people with respect. And so right. enough people just kind of, you know, ditched them for the other side that actually did treat everyone nicely. <laughs> Exhibit A, Kirtan lore. Oh my gosh, you right. he's going to defect? I don't oh know, Kirtan lore has a lot of issues. Yeah, yeah but he's I working think, them out. I don't think he would operate well in the rebel alliance either but i mean defect doesn't necessarily he could just leave leave. he could just be like i'm out this is not worth my time anymore (laughs) i got a lot of money i got some secret identities like lore out (laughs) i feel like he kind of craves power though like he he likes having power over people so if he he left the empire he would lose that yeah and he Uh, wants the recognition too like that matters a lot to him he's a total leo Right, but not everyone's like in the Empire is like that, right? So you have people like Captain Ilor, who's, you know, their goal wasn't to rise through the ranks and have power and all these other things. You know, she was just wanting to do a good job. 
and she can do that and be treated like a reasonable being <laughs> in the New Republic. And actually, many aboard the Corsica Rainbow, which was mostly her staff, believe that they won't activate the gravity wells since it's Rogue Squadron down there. And a Rogue Squadron has the reputation for obtaining the impossible. And Captain Elor does believe in Rogue Squadron, but she's ready to do her job if they can't accomplish theirs. She seems cool. I like her a lot. I hope we can hear from her again. Yeah. I was glad it was a lady. Yeah. Yeah, Me too. It was very new canon of Michael Stackpole. <laughs> he wasn't <laughs> described as slender. Nope. Not yet. I'm so proud. Score one. Not yet. Yeah. Wait until Corrin meets her, then she'll be slender. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why all these women are slender. Maybe Corrin is like a weird, like, slender goggles. Well, also, everyone just makes slender. Because he sees Izzard as slender. Yeah. Oh, okay. So it's Everyone's just, slender. It's just dudes. <laughs> just crappy yeah. dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Because Akbar would never call Captain Elor slender. He'd be like, she is an okay specimen for a human. <laughs> she does her duty. <laughs> right. <laughs> She's like with a sun hitting the high tide of the waves. Right. And they'd be like, what does that even mean? <laughs> He's like, the sun hitting the tides. Obviously, it's a good thing. <laughs> Obviously. How would we know? Now I want to see that. I want to see Akbar confusing all of his aides by using ocean metaphors. Oh my god, yes. Someone that draw that sense. web comic. Go. <laughs> in the next chapter, we head back to the planet, but now with the ground control team, which is Inyiri, Gavin, Tycho, Oral, and Winter. They make their first move and break into the control building. As Winter starts slicing in, they come up on some bad news. So the controls have been updated since their intel, and the room that they're trying to get into has been flooded with gas. And it's impossible for them to get in and not pass out. This is a very, like, video game RPG thing right here. Like, this is the kind of thing you would, Roadblock, you'd come up against in, like, KOTOR or something. It'd be like, oh, you have gas, now go find some masks, kind of thing. Right, yeah. And, of course, that has to be the little pause, because now we jump over to Corin who's complaining about the headhunter and shooting up some ties. Corn's great, whatever. As you do. Three pages of corn flying around, it's fine. <laughs> Tycho then, then comms Wedge and asks for M-Tray, since M-Tray will, can go in and be totally unaffected by the gas. Yes, Team 1, though, but actually Tycho is just missing his new best friend. It's right, I was just going to say, they bonded so much. Like Tycho is now calling... M-Tray's dad to like get him on the phone. <laughs> oh, can I talk to M-Tray? Can he come out to play, please? Is M-Tray available? <laughs> I'll take him out Saturday night. So, <laughs> Team One prepares to leave the construction droid, but it's forced to stay thanks to some stormies outside targeting them with a heavy blaster on some tower top. Very action-packed chapter. And the last one for this week, Chapter Forty-Two. We, ha- we go back to the ground team. Oral is actually the answer to their problems. Since GANs do not respire, Oral will not be affected by the gas. The others okay. wait in the airspeed. What? Gotta cut in here. Because, yeah. And I promise I'm not going to wax poetic about this beautiful paragraph describing the uh, physiology of the GANs. <laughs> but it didn't occur to me until I read this that um, Nawara and Sheil are both getting ill from the Kratos, but um, 
Oral has not been affected by it, it seems, because he's still up and running, and, and I think that this is maybe an explanation for why it's happening. So I thought that was kind of a cool detail. Yeah, he's not breathing. Yeah, I just, if and, he doesn't breathe, he can't get the virus into his system. Yep. Well, it's remember, the virus or... isn't airborne. Oh. It's, yeah. Uh, they were targeting um, GAD physiology anyways, so it's possible that none of the other things were similar enough to his for him to catch it. But also, I feel like the rogues should just learn about the physiology of their fellow teammates and should know these things. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's an, another good point. Yeah. Like, you should know whether or not your friend breathes, I think. <laughs> well remember um so like one of the ways that the big way that they're poisoning everybody with kratos is through the water system and i think with oral he just does things so different like his body does things so differently that i it can maybe either process out any of the toxins right mm-hmm. or like saf said that there's nothing similar in physiology because i can't because you know, they were really working on three main groups, which was kind of the Quarren Calamari semi-aquatic land walkers, right? And then they had the Gamorians, kind of the mammal, beastie kind of people. And then the Solistans, which were mainly a vehicle to get to the Bothans, as well as the Shistavans. And probably includes the Twi'leks in there as well. So, I can't even describe... Twi'leks. Are so what close oral... to humans. Like, yeah. That worries me. <laughs> yeah. Well, remember, like, it's not fully tested. And Derricot wanted to make a specific strand for each type because leaving it more broad means it has a greater chance to mutate and affect the parties that they're trying to not affect. Yeah. So. Right. I want to, like. Noara. I want to, like, get out my whiteboard and draw, like, the evolutionary tree and figure out, like, when all these different species diverged and how they're related, but I won't. But point being <laughs> that Gans are clearly at, like, a more um, primitive, like, body type that, you know, diverge from everyone else a lot longer based on their exoskeleton and things. And so regardless of how the virus is being transmitted, it makes sense that he would maybe not be affected as immediately. And actually he might be the only one alive when all is said and done, because it's going to get to the humans before him potentially. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause it's kind of more of an insect like body that he has. Right. Yeah. yeah. So X-Wing book four orals adventure. <laughs> Just oral. <laughs> oral rogue, rogue leader oral. I read it. The do others. You, do you well, all respire? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Just, Staff said it was important to understand the physiology of your fellow squad mates. So it's true. I, I mean, just wanted to be you, sure. You can assume what. I mean, I, I assume we're all human, so I hope we all breathe. You assume wrong. No. <laughs> <You> assume. <laughs> 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 While Oral goes in, the others wait in the airspeeder. And he's going to bring back some masks. And if there aren't enough masks, then Gavin will stay with Inuri and sit in the car while Tycho and Winter go in alone. I just love the imagery of, like, Gavin, you can stay here. <laughs> stay in the car. <laughs> while Gavin and the rogues wait for Oral, they watch the construction droid being strafed and the headhunters flying past. Debris falls on the hood of the airspeeder and spooks Gavin, and he yells, Emperor's Bones! <laughs> Which was awesome. Really good. Really good. Gavin is on fire this week. 
Yeah. At the beginning of the chapter, um, I really like the action description of him getting out of the speeder and then sliding over with his gun and just being so cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Again, I know earlier on an on an episode earlier in this book, we asked who you would trade in Rogue Squadron to get Luke. And by trade, we meant that person has to die. And I said Gavin because Gavin was useless. Because I you're a monster. I, again, feel the need to take that back completely <laughs> because, like I said earlier, he has grown so much in this book and I am a little obsessed with him now. Good. I like it. I'm glad. Well, so comes you back. Would, you would trade Tycho now instead. Danny. That's what he said. I would trade Danny. <laughs> <laughs> we did just say one of the ropes. Harsh we did. Fair. <laughs> totally <We> did. fair. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not very good in a cocktail. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> we are children. Again. <laughs> Oral comes back with enough masks for everybody. And... I'm just going to read this because it was really cute. Tycho reached forward and from the back seat and patted Gavin on the shoulder. Ready to go? Sure. Maybe I can get a light dose of gas and it'll slow my heart. <laughs> oh. So cute. Oh, Gavin. <laughs> and as Gavin says he's ready, Tycho says, come on then. Let's go see if we can make it rain. Yes. Amazing. So good. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Taiko and Amtray were doing. Oh, Amazing. <laughs> they are making it rain. So both are back on the construction droid. Wedge calls Corrin to take care of the Stormies for them. Of course, he makes he it goes fine because he's in a headhunter and the Stormies are just there. Winter back at the control command thing, was able to slice into the orbital mirrors. And Tycho is being super friendly with her, which is adorable. He asks if she could get also into the goal and defense platforms, but first things first, and they need to get into the mirrors. Okay, I need need some backstory on Winter and Tycho, because I'm not sure if I should be shipping them or if they're already in a relationship and I don't need to ship them. What if they related? Both. That's uh, Star Wars, though. Yeah, true. <laughs> I, I ship fine. them. I totally ship them. Yeah, me too. Like, r- really bad. They have to make beautiful Alderanian babies. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Keep the keep the the line alive. Yep. Because Tycho also just went ha- off with that Corillian man. Ugh! <laughs> no one cares about the odds. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Their child will half care about the odds. Right. Just a little bit. Tycho also has a great line to end this segment. And he says, this world needs a bath, so start boiling the water. (laughs) So I don't know. I think his engagement with Corin has just put him in the extra sass mood for this mission. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. He's like, it doesn't matter what I do. (laughs) And... So then we go up to the actual orbital mirror platform, which people stationed on here, it's used as a punishment when they're not very good. And we find Lieutenant Nita, cousin of the late Captain Nita, is on duty. Yeah, right? Is on duty there. 
and is supposed to be the one who's watching over everything. And although his staff kind of worries about, hey, why is the mirror repositioning? He says it's fine. And they're just, you know, giving the planet what they want because obviously they need the mirrors to reposition. And nothing could possibly be going wrong. And he actually thinks that these top secret adjustments are a reward for his loyalty and hard work. I imagine. And the Empire screws people up. Yeah, right? I imagine this scene, he's just sitting there doing the same thing that I do every time I read about Errol Nub these days. It's fine. It's fine. Everything is fine. It's good. Fine. It's what? Good. Uh... And this chapter ends with Lieutenant Nita saying, Our contribution to this day will never be forgotten. And oh, he yeah. doesn't know he is... how true that is. He is not wrong. <laughs> yeah, you are not wrong. To be fair, it wasn't really his contribution. He didn't do anything. He just sat there. <laughs> he literally did nothing. The fact that he did nothing was his contribution. <laughs> sure. It's a good one. That's my yep. contribution to society. Yep. Same. <laughs> I didn't mess anything up. You're fine. <laughs> oh. I take it back. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of contributions to society, last week we asked you all a listener question and we got some great responses from you. The question was, what shenanigans do you think Tycho and Mtray got up to while being secretly deployed on Coruscant? Luke Brywalker said, I imagine Tycho and Mtray as con men getting the Z95 in some sort of scheme that involves a lot of creepy winking, <laughs> glistening pecs, <laughs> Please keep sending us responses so that I can read that name every week. Um, Glistening Peck said, Shipping and writing terrible fic about the other rogues, or drawing mustaches on and generally defacing empire propaganda. I am really into that. Yeah. (laughs) Just going around town. Like, graffitiing Sabine style all over the empire propaganda. I'm imagining them sitting in a booth in, like, a fast food restaurant, just, like, uh, with pieces of paper with all the names of the rogues and like mixing them around and then being like like drawing two randomly being like what if oh, shield yeah. and Eresy and Mtray's like I will write that fic and then <laughs> and then winks a, and then winks he's a secret fic protocol <laughs> fic protocol so good just the OGP three times yep so good Sarah Dempster said, I don't know the details, but it probably ended with Tycho captured by some small-bit gangster or con artist and having to escape. He is also, for some reason, in only his underwear. Wait. And yep. she added to that. Yeah. I will and then, endorse when she, that. Yeah. When she said that, I also thought about M-Tray in Tycho's underwear, so... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> They're both we- randomly wearing Tycho's underwear. Yeah. Like, Emtray shows up to save him, and he's just wearing Tycho's underwear for he's like, well, I thought this is what we were wearing. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Hassan said, I see Tycho and Emtray running from thugs after Emtray caught one of them cheating in a Sabat game. After that, calf time. Time. Esp calf. Calf. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Show said that clothing montage, which we mentioned last week, was going to be her answer. 
but her second choice was a culinary tour of Coruscant with Emtray whining all along. Oh, he can't he eat food. Can't it's eat. so sad. Yeah, that would be really that would be really rude of Taiko. Taiko would never do that to Emtray. Maybe he gets like different. I don't know. What do droids like? Oil. Oil. Yeah, he gets a little <laughs> dose of oil. And oh, yeah. it's, like a, it's like a wine tasting tour, and Tycho's got yeah. like a Chardonnay, and Emtray has like a wine glass with oil in it. Yeah. <laughs> An aged <laughs> oil of some kind. Yeah. What's the type a... of oil? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> We're terrible pilots. <laughs> this is our finest aged oil. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 77 oil. <laughs> okay, Danny. <laughs> I, think, I think we get it. It's not even oil. <laughs> no, it's not. Okay. This one has a bit I of an oaky flavor. It's our finest oil. Dan. Oil. <laughs> hey, what did Jay say? <laughs> That's a great question, Meg. Jay built on Cho's answer and said they have seafood Emtray protests that the clams resemble his face, and Tycho plays innocent. Oh. Cute. Uh, Jay always in... has surprisingly cute remarks. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is seafood in the Star Wars universe mean Mon Calamari? Yes. Oh. Right. Oh. Actually, I really don't know. I just. I hope not. Ian Miller said Emtray mostly told scrounging stories while winking, and Tycho napped to avoid it. We don't know. We don't know what the nap was rated, though. It was so, R-rated nap. It was certainly R-rated. Um, and I must say, Ian, I'm a little disappointed that we didn't get an appearance from Grand Moff. What is the name? Higher Grand Moff to you. Higher um, Grand Moff Mantuin Mantuin the third. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Nowhere to be found this week, and I'm a little disappointed. Anyway. Ben That's said, right. "Sometimes we shame our listeners publicly." I'm gonna call. I'm gonna call you out, Ian. <laughs> I'm gonna call you out. <laughs> Senpai noticed you. Ben said, "I hope Tycho and Emtray have a Sherlock Holmes Watson dynamic, and we're off solving mysteries while the rogue screwed around." And then Ben, for extra credit, gave a second answer and said, "Emtray was catfishing random people." Tycho follows him around, saying, "Oh my God, I'm so sorry to each one." <laughs> I love that so much. <laughs> Don't mind him. <laughs> He's just a droid. He doesn't know any better. That's just how he was programmed. Raising Fangirl said M3PO and Tycho create the mystery team and spend their day answering ads for lost Lothcats. Wait, actually, M3PO and Tycho are in pajamas sitting in the hotel room eating Ben and Jerry's, gossiping about Core and watching Firefly. Yes, good. I like that. Jonathan. See, I'm still imagining M-Tray in Tycho's PJs. Right, just, yeah, absolutely. I think he would be in this scenario. Yeah, and I can picture Tycho just being like, hey, we're going to have a lounge day. Here's a pair of pajamas you can borrow. <laughs> right. You have to match. Oh, I love it. So cute. Jonathan Nerf Baker said, creepy M-Tray wink. Mm-hmm. Disgusting. Mich- Michelle said, staring contest. Tycho always wins. Hashtag winking M-Tray. Oh, that's funny. It is good. And then Greg wrote a little detective noir story that I will now read for you. Oh. It was pouring with rain when the droid entered my office. I'd known him for years. There had always been something off about him. He closed the door, turned, and winked at me 
Never trust a droid that winks. <laughs> I like that in this situation, M-Tray's the bombshell. Right? It's really good. When is M-Tray not the bombshell? It's so true, though. It's really good. So thanks for all those responses, guys. For this week's, write a fic in 140 characters or less. That's a tweet about any two rogues. Pretend that you're M-Tray and Nawara, not Nawara, M-Tray and Tycho making up some fanfic. Put on your fanfic protocol. I like this, but I feel like I also need more time to think about it. Can we read ours next week, too? We'll read ours next time as well. Yeah, I think we okay. better. Ooh, exciting. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it doesn't have to be 140 characters. You could always email us a longer fic. Yeah, or yeah. Email tweets. it to us, post well, it on Tumblr, and send us the link, whatever you want. Basically, your homework assignment is to write a fic. We're all about that yep. fic. Yep. We'll, we'll all write one, too, so you won't be alone. As short as a tweet, as long as a novel, whatever you want. <laughs> if you write a novel in a week, I will be super impressed. Yes. And, It'll be amazing. And we'll spend the next ten episodes dissecting it chapter by chapter. <laughs> four <laughs> chapters by four, four to five chapters. Four to five, you're right. And if, in the past, you've written fic about rogues send those along too oh yeah but make sure it doesn't spoil anything beyond yeah we'll um, finish book two by next week but anything beyond that we don't want to be spoiled so send those to meg yeah i'll enjoy them she can bet them awesome i can't wait to come up with them i'm very excited (laughs) so to send your fix at us via twitter you can send them to rogue podron at rogue podron um you can email us at roguepod at firefirewayradio.com. Our website is roguepodron.tumblr.com and you can subscribe to us via the Firefly Radio feed on iTunes, Stitcher, or FeedBurner. Great. So next time, the thrilling conclusion of X-Wing Wedges Gamble, chapters 43 through epilogue. And with that, this is Rogue Podron signing off. Pash out. Pash out. Pew, 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 pew. Pew, pew, pew. Passion out. Rogue Leader signing off. Rogue Six signing off. Rogue Seven signing off. Rogue Three signing off. So there was a super brief interlude. Interlude. (laughs) 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 What? I'm done for tonight. <laughs> what are you thinking about, Meg? <laughs> Probably making it rain. R-rated naps. <laughs> We've gone too far. <laughs> We've gone too far. <laughs> oh my god! I hope that's this week's episode title. <laughs> We've, We've gone, gone too, too far. far. <laughs> Gosh. Anyway. <laughs>